Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hope you're enjoying those AJ Brown prediction strike shares. Get prediction strike in the app store, promo code Underworld, and a free player share with any $20 deposit. AJ Brown shares courtesy of Aaron Stewart and his prediction strike show on our Discord channel, discord.com forward slash player profiler. Waiver wired. Woo! Oh, second Pearl Jam riff of the of the year. We had a live. You know, you had to go back to ten. Ten is an interesting album. Ten was much more produced, so they had a different producer for ten, and uh, they they added uh, strings and. Uh, cranked up the amplitude, used all, used all the tricks to make the sound bigger, more arena rock, because it was 80s influenced, right? That that original Pearl Jam record, 10, was influenced by 80s rock. He had an 80s rock producer. And uh, then they brought in Brendan O'Brien, and they said, you know what? We don't like all the effects that were used. We don't like the strings. Like, if you listen to... Pearl Jam Black, there's a whole string ensemble, right? There's a whole arrangement under the song, which really, I think, (laughs) elevates it. But they're like, we don't want to elevate with fake instruments that aren't in our band. We just want it to be pure. We are a pure 70s-style rock band. We don't want to use any of these mixing components or audio tricks from the 80s. Fuck that. We're a 70s rock band and get out of here with all your strings and schmings and tricks and big stadium anthem sounding drum kit. Get out of here. We're going we're going back to basics. So then every other Pearl Jam record after 10 is back to basics. However, years later, Eddie, years later, 40 years later, now 30 years later. Whoa, imagine if it was 40 years. Holy shit. Eddie Vedder will still be still be singing 40 years from now. 30 years, I have to sit down and sound out what I think a air guitar solo or guitar riff might sound like. And it really isn't a surprise when you understand the backstory of how these albums were produced. It really isn't a surprise that both of the songs I've selected were from that original album. That had just the big stadium sound. And I've been to multiple Pearl Jam concerts. And I gotta tell you, the band knows this. They hear it. You know, when they go to play Alive, when they go to play Even Flow, when they go to play Black, when they go to play these the Jeremy, I mean, when they go to play these Pearl Jam 10 songs, they hear it. They hear it from the crowd. That's what the crowd wants. The crowd wants to rock out, but they they had to go super pure. 
And music is so come full circle where it's like, it's crazy to do that now. There's so much that bands have access to in terms of resources that sure, you could you could take a stand. And again, it was a principled stand. They had a principled stand on how their albums would be produced and mixed. They had a principled stand on how tickets would be sold. They were the original anti-ticket master band. Right now, everybody hates Ticketmaster, right? Everybody. It's a monopoly. They're going to break it up. Thankfully, scam of the world. Everyone's fine now because of this Taylor Swift debacle. Everyone knows now. It's like all revealed. Hey, Ticketmaster sucks. And it's like truly a perversion of the law even, right? This is monopoly power at its most insidious where concert venues are not allowed to use anyone else. They can't be in business if they work with any other ticket provider. It's wild. So when I was at the Mark Norman show, uh, the comedian, I noticed that he was using Eventbrite. And I was like, oh, thank God, it's Eventbrite. And then my wife was like, yeah, any venue bigger than this, they can't use Eventbrite. And I was like, yeah, I know. But still, still, there, there are some pretty decent-sized concert halls that are now using Eventbrite and alternate ticket systems. Thank God. Thank God. But the original fuck you to Ticketmaster came from Eddie Vedder. They 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 wasted a lot of money. I saw a concert in a high school football stadium when Pearl Jam was at its absolute zenith in terms of global popularity. They were doing concerts in high school football stadiums because this is all they could do. If you think about if you think about it, if you really think about it, the place you have to go to get away from Ticketmaster is high school athletic fields that's the that's the best venue where you can actually create a whole amphitheater that's not uh under contract with Ticketmaster. i say all of this because it's week 14 for the waiver wire i mean we're we're coming down to the end we didn't even used to do this we didn't even used to do a waiver wired show for week 14 but now i'm like if we do a 15 minute show or a 20 minute show that's what the people want the people tune in right it's 11, 12 o'clock, and it's time for Waiver Wired. It's time for whatever guitar riff that he wants to sound out, and let's do this. And there are options, right? There are a lot of options last week. There are options this week. Cliche alert! And I want to address the elephant in the room. Yes, there's a, oh, that's, that's a cliche. Oh my God. That's the second show in a row where I've just had a big, giant, hairy cliche. Shame on me. Cliche alert! Oh, oh, that's gross. What a gross, oh, elephant in the room. Ugh. Ooh. You just say, when I say these cliches, you gotta understand, like a, a shiver runs down my spine because I'm, I'm not that guy. Gross. Now, we're going to jump into this, and this whole show brought to you by Sleeper. So in previous years, when we didn't have these kinds of sponsors, there was less motivation for me to do shows where we feature like three guys, and you know, one of them is named DJ, spelled D-E-E-J-A-Y, and you know, we, we barely registered any fantasy points last week. We have no idea if he's going to register any fantasy points this week, but he's like a featured guy to talk about. 
part of the reason we do a show now is because, hey, we have sponsors. So now it's there's a little extra motivation, right? Yet that's the thing, right? You love the show. So part of the quid pro quo, the implied quid pro quo, is that you check out our sponsors. Now, most of you already have Sleeper. It's just the question of when you're setting your lineup, you hit that dollar sign at the top. Then you can hit the over-unders on all the players you like that you've picked up throughout the year, like Zone of a Night last week because of this show, and you go ahead and take the over. Or players that we warn you about and say, hey, actually, this is not the week to play this particular player, and you go under. It's right there within the Sleeper app. Hit the dollar sign, enter promo code UNDERWORLD, and you double your deposit up to $100. And so you're setting your lineup and you're taking over-unders all in one integrated user experience. It's pretty genius what they've done. So check it out, Sleeper, promo code UNDERWORLD, double your deposit. They make this show possible. They're the reason why I'm like, instead of like, ah, fuck it, there's not enough interesting players to talk about. I'm like, no, we should do a show. Oh, Sleepers, you know, they're uh, making it happen. But yes, we we talked last week about James Cook, right? And so there's been a there's been a, a rule of thumb that we've been talking about in the last three weeks that is very important. And it and it roared up with James Cook. It's like, hey, if there is a usage blip on a player that we love, like say Rashad White or Tony Pollard, all purpose backs with size. In offenses that score a lot of points, well, don't just assume that, oh, because last week the touches dipped, that that's part of a a larger trend, right? Don't, don't assume that just one blip is like a larger, it's like when you zoom out on a chart and it looks like it's going down and you're like, no, it is going up, right? So if you actually zoom out and see the full season touch count on Rashad White, it's just a steadily increasing chart. And that's also what it was for James Cook coming into last week. And then, oh, he he dudded out and they gave him very few touches. And it was back to the Devin Singletary show. And I said, no, 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 no. The toothpaste is already out of the tube. Oh, another cliche. I like that cliche, though. I like that. I like that. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's a good cliche. That's so much better. Like, let me know in the chat, which is better? Which do you prefer? Elephant in the room or I'm not going to even give myself a cliche alert for that because I like I like the toothpaste doesn't go back in the tube because I've tried it. I've tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube. I, I, I'm, I'm frugal. I've put too much toothpaste and I tried to get it back. It was very difficult. You can blow into it. Okay, this is crazy. Am I, are we really doing this? Pearl Jam talk was way better than toothpaste talk if we're not going to talk about the waiver wire, which we're delaying because it's not interesting. However, you can actually get the toothpaste back in the tube. It, so it's, I love the cliche, even though it's wrong, because you could you can blow into it and you can inflate it, and then as you inflate it, when the air the air is gonna come out and it's gonna suck. You see what I'm saying? It, you you inflate it and then you immediately put it down like like an air how an air compressor works. You put it right back into the toothpaste and it'll suck some toothpaste in there. That'll happen. It's a little, it's a way, but I mean, not a lot, just a little bit, not worth your time, right? Not worth the effort. But if you're one of these obsessive compulsive people like I am, then you're going to take advantage of that. And uh, James White is now a featured option 
He is absolutely electric. And most importantly, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Everybody in the chat, say it with me. Say it with me. Say it with me. Prolific offense. The right offense, right? The right offense. Uh, Spoiler alert, and I think we have a spoiler alert sound effect as well. We're going to talk about Nico Collins. But I've already, I've already alluded to the fact that I'm getting frustrated with Nico Collins in advance. I know that Nico Collins is going to give you a huge target share, big air yard share, and he's going to be a lesser Drake London. Isn't that what he is? What do you you give you? 12 and a half fantasy points? That's such a London line. And it's just frustrating. It's like, oh, huge air yards. Oh, targets. Oh, but they run the offense through Damian Pierce, and they have two of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Marcus Mariota's not that far from Kyle Allen. It's really bad. It's really bad. So you never want to prioritize those guys. Tyler Algiers getting the, the majority of the carries in Atlanta, and you don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't score enough points. Who cares? Buffalo, that... That is something I care about. If you're going to be getting huge touches, big percentage of the the overall touches, but also that your presence will increase the total touches given to running backs because you'll command more touches than Devin Singletary. So now all of a sudden the running game is more heavily utilized because there's more targets going to running backs with Buffalo throwing the ball so much. So much more than they run the ball. Devin Singletary has a hard cap because he's not a strong receiver. He'll have a week or two where he gets that eight targets. A lot of dump-offs. And he did it. He had that week. But now it's it's never going to happen again because now they've come to Jesus finally on James Cook. He's been by far and away their best running back all along. But, but I'm sure he missed some blocking assignment in preseason or in training camp. And the coaches have been holding that grudge against him for weeks and weeks and weeks to the detriment of their offensive efficiency. But that's what these coaches do. Even the best coaches, the Bills have a great coaching staff. It's an enlightened coaching staff. But still, they do that thing that all NFL coaches do, which is they disproportionately punish rookies for mistakes made in preseason. And it manifests in a 13-week delay for James Cook getting his proper opportunity share. Now he's getting it, right? We're talking about five targets a game. Now he's getting 10-plus carries a game and explosive plays because Josh Allen is keeping defenses honest, freezing linebackers. So if you're James Cook, you get the benefits of the Alfred Morris corollary without actually being anything like Alfred Morris. You get the Alfred Morris corollary, but you're closer to Austin Eckler in your skill set. Who doesn't want that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, that's the thing. That's why it's like if Cook is available, you're all in. But it's also why we last week said, hey, make sure you're getting Cook. If you're in a shallow league and he's available or he was dropped, make sure you go get him. So that's critical. Now, the next running back to talk about is DJ Dallas. And then there is a real corollary between DJ Dallas and Jamichael Hasty. And there's been individuals on Twitter that were criticizing us for touting Jamichael Hasty, and then Jamichael Hasty gives you nothing, right? And uh, he, he was right up there with Travis Etienne giving you nothing, by the way, okay? And my response to that is, fuck off. Like, 
we didn't know when this show dropped who was practicing at what level. There was nothing. It was a complete black box. Like today, I have no idea what the seriousness of the Ken Walker ankle injury is. According to Pete Carroll, it is something they're going to learn more about later. He doesn't even know what the injury means. The ankle was jammed. Hey, Pete, how serious is the ankle injury? What does that mean that it was jammed? I don't know what it means. We're going to figure it out. And so we do a show on Tuesdays. I've tried doing a show later on Tuesday to try to get a better sense of who's going to be active for the following week. Criticized for that, for the show's dropping too late. I didn't have a chance to listen to the show. Uh, my waivers ran uh, Tuesday night, and you dropped the show so late, I never got a chance to listen to it. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. We're going to drop the show early. We're going to drop the show around noon. That's when I think it should come out with the best information we have. Week in, week out, we've been right. Time and time again about who's going to be out and who's going to play. They said that Michael Carter was going to play, and I said, no, 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 no. You got to get Zonovan Knight. In the Scott Fish Bowl, I had both Zonovan Knight and Jamichael Hasty for that reason and then played Zonovan Knight. Doesn't have to be hard. You, you could. It, it, these are great options. Time and time and time again, if you follow this process, which is assuming that if a player has a foot or ankle injury in particular and is ruled out, for the remainder of the game, there is a high likelihood, like a 90% chance, they miss that next game. Jack Cavanaugh has run these numbers. I talked to Jack Cavanaugh on, on the Mind of Mansion show, and he agreed 100% with me. That, hey, Jamichael Hasty with a matchup coming up against the Lions? It's a smash spot. So you got to pick him up. And then if Travis Etienne is active, you, of course, don't play him. So what are you crying about on Twitter? That I didn't have the MRI results for Travis Etienne? Because if you're following the process, you've been very happy with the output you've been getting from streaming these running backs week in, week out. Same thing with a concussion. Most players in today's NFL that suffer a concussion like Joe Mixon miss at least one game. So you get Samaje Pirine. And you, Samaje Pirine was the RB3 <laughs> last week. It's like if you'd picked him up a couple weeks ago just on principle, that is probably going to miss a game if there's a concussion. Probably going to miss a game if ruled out with either a head injury or an ankle injury or a foot injury, knee injury, hamstring injury, quad injury, hip injury, almost always ruled out. Now with a shoulder injury, anything upper body, they could put a harness on it. You never know, right? You could, you know, broken hand, fingers, they can always put casts on and, and you never know. That one is, is, is way less certain, but anything lower body or concussion, probably going to miss. And when you see the Lions on the schedule, it's like, okay, probably going to miss. Lions on the schedule. Let's get this guy just in case. And then I, 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 I went even further and on the Stackfish show, and I said, hey, even if Travis Etienne is playing, don't play him. Don't, it's way too risky. And then what happened? Travis Etienne dudded out. Okay. So actually, buzzards, I was super right. You think I'm super wrong and you're claiming I'm super wrong. Meanwhile, I look at this, and the process was right, and the advice on Travis Etienne was right, and I'm still stashing Jermichael Hasty. If you drop Jermichael Hasty now, you're a fool. You're a fool. He's been established as a one-for-one -one handcuff with Travis Etienne, and there's still some juicy matchups on this Jaguars schedule. Dropping Jermichael Hasty would be ill-advised, especially now that we know that Travis Etienne's playing through a foot injury. Same thing with Jalen Warren. You're not going to drop Jalen Warren. He's going to be dropped this week because he dudded out 
fewer touches than Benny Snell, but they did deploy him in the passing game. He was coming back from a hamstring injury, but in week 14, he's finally going to be 100% and likely healthier than Najee Harris. Najee Harris is not right. Warren is an all-purpose back. He has the juice. You stash him. You absolutely keep him. You do not drop Warren. You do not drop Hasty. So basically, the waiver wire show is now do not drop player X and Y. That's really what it is. And get DJ Dallas. I'm putting in deep leagues. I'm putting like at least 30% down to get DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas has size. He has soft hands. Now, the beauty is this is the beauty, right? He was subbed out frequently for Tony Jones, right? That was great, right? Now, he, he had more touches, but subbed out frequently by Tony Jones. But that could have just been the way the drives played out. So some of these coaches have in mind, hey, I'm going to play this running back for this drive. And then that drive is sustained. So that running back ends up with seven, eight carries in that drive. And then the coach says, okay, I'm going to play the next running back in the next drive. And then that, that drive stalls right away. So it just depends on the cadence of what drives you end up being assigned to. And if you're getting twice as many drives, if the two drives you're assigned to stall immediately and the one drive the other running back is assigned to marches down the field, suddenly that running back looks like the primary back when you're looking at the touches, but that's why we also look at snap shares. And it's all about DJ Dallas. If they if they deactivate Kenneth Walker, which they should, if he's going to jam his ankle and this is a second-round pick, you absolutely have to rest him and use the same principle that we use with Jamichael Hasty that you all hated so much. Just assume he was ruled out with the ankle injury. He's not going to play. That is my assumption. And that because DJ Dallas, he, DJ Dallas is a popular running back on this show the last three or four years because he has size and soft hands. Anytime you have size and soft hands and then that 60th percentile speed score we're gonna like you right he was efficient in college he caught passes in college he's been deployed in the passing game actually getting some depth with his with his route running at the professional level he's showing himself to be a a well above average receiver out of the backfield and then if he also has the size and they trust him and he's the incumbent he's been there a lot longer than tony jones then he's going to get the key red zone touches he's going to get more targets out of the backfield and then they're playing Carolina. It, everything is just setting up so perfectly. I mean, Carolina's not not a uh, you know, world-beating matchup, right? This is not like I'm going to pound my chest against Carolina. Carolina, they do give up well above average fantasy points to opposing running backs in the running game and they stifle running backs in the passing game. So that's why they're they're about an average defense against running backs but the problem is when you play Carolina the overall game total comes down it's less likely that it shoots out whereas when Seattle plays like Arizona then the probability of a shootout goes way up so that's the thing it's like when you play Carolina it's nice if they have a softer front seven but the idea that this player that DJ Dallas is going to get all these extra red zone touches because they're they're going up and down the field that probability goes down when you play a Carolina and that game can get dragged into the mud. So James Cook in shallow leagues, make sure he's he's picked up if available. And then DJ Dallas, priority 
number one in deep leagues, then Jordan Mason. I fully expected, admittedly, I fully expected Tyrion Davis-Price to be the breather back to Christian McCaffrey. They drafted him in the third round. The probability that he would be Trey Sermon 2.0, I thought was low, especially because he's much faster. But again, they just they blow it with these third-round picks. And they're going, oh, yep, Jordan Mason, he's executing in practice at a much higher level. He's giving us more. And he's not that athletic. He's not uh, a, an electric receiver. So I'm not as excited about Jordan Mason just in a vacuum as I am DJ Dallas. But Jordan Mason is on one of the league's best running games, and Christian McCaffrey is fragile. He does have knee irritation. And if they're going to lock in Mason as the the one breather back that they're going to turn to, I want that guy. I want that guy. And then next priority on the running back uh, free agency pool, you're going to see Ty Johnson. Right now, Ty Johnson's interesting because even when – Michael Carter comes back. There's a real rapport and history between Mike White and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson, another seven targets. That's now 30-plus targets he's received from Mike White. And this Jets offense is bananas. It, it, it's why I'm streaming Mike White every week. <laughs> like, and so... A satellite back on one of these lower volume offenses, like you're Rex Burkhead, right? If you're in Houston, it's useless, right? But if you're on a team that's throwing the ball 50 times, now, even if your target share is you know 12%, 10%, you're still commanding five plus targets when you're throwing the ball 50 times. Do the math. And Ty Johnson also has speed. So he has big breakaway run ability on the few touches he's getting in the running game and then he's super active in the passing game so he gave you 10 points last week in these deep leagues he's well worth a pickup alexander madison should be stashed he's almost 50 percent rostered but i mean he scored last week and uh, he's one of the best handcuff backs around don't forget to keep keontae ingram stashed he's behind a fragile running back in james connor Guys like Keontae Ingram, they get dropped. Guys like Gainwell, they get dropped. Guys like Joshua Kelly, they get dropped. But they are the right running backs to stash because they're on the right offenses. Or they're behind super fragile running backs. So for the same reasons that you're going out and you're picking up Jordan Mason and getting him stashed, you also want to stash Ingram, Gainwell, Joshua Kelly, Zamir White. Zamir White has juice, and that is one of the league's most prolific running games in Las Vegas. And I'm still stashing Chuba Hubbard in very deep leagues. It, it seems to me that eventually this team is just going to have to go all youth and plan for 2023. So at some point, you would think they, they, they turn the keys over to Chuba Hubbard. But the other four, Ingram, Gainwell, Kelly, and Zamir White are higher stash priorities. Talked about Nico Collins every week. He puts up 10 fantasy points on a massive target share, an air yard share. But this week, see, this week they play Dallas, and there's going to be a lot of garbage time in that game. Trayvon Diggs is a big-time risk taker. He's close to the league lead in pass breakups, but he also is allowing a 100-plus passer rating against. So you love that. You love to face those kinds of corners, especially if it's a, a clear alpha on alpha matchup right 
So I think this would be the week that Collins goes boom, more likely if Cooks doesn't play. And then also you're going to see maybe he'll be two for 35 at the half, and then it's all about the garbage time for Nico Collins. I don't see much of a difference, though, between Nico Collins and Matt Collins in terms of their raw fantasy output. Certainly the shares stats favor Collins, but the Raiders score a lot more points, and Hollins is a clear number two. He's taking advantage of the loss of Waller and Renfro. I mean, what do you get? Nine targets? I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is big. This is huge, right? So this is the week. Like two weeks ago, he scored on a big play. Then he dudded out on nine targets. Anytime a guy duds out on nine targets and is on the waiver wire and you know that they're, they're just going to they're going to keep putting him in situations to excel you want to go get him so this also feels like an interesting week to play him because it's a short week against the rams they're on the road so they won't be able to run it as well on the road and you know jalen ramsey's going to want to shadow Devonte adams now he'll give up some big plays to adams but the shadowing of adams should suppress the target share and then that target share should skew over more to Mac Hollins. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to bracket Mac Hollins so that they can put Ramsey in single coverage on Adams? No, they're going to put Ramsey on Adams plus a safety over the top. <laughs> and then that's going to open up Mac Hollins. So I, I like that matchup. I like the cornerback matchup. I like the scheme matchup for Mac Hollins this week. And I noticed a lot of other you know, waiver wire analysts sort of forgetting about it where I'm like, listen, I'm going back to the targets and the air yards. And that's why I'm right back on Hollins and right back on Nico Collins this week. And then also right back on DJ Chark. So, but I, I, I prefer Hollins over Chark and no one's allowed to be surprised when Hollins outscores Collins. Hollins or Collins. Ah! It's close. It's close. Collins is going to get the target share. Hollins is going to get the actual targets, right? What do you like? Do you like target share or actual targets? You know, you score more fantasy points on actual targets than you do on shares of targets. It's just an observation I've made. I love the share stats. Certainly, it's a big reason why Player Profiler exists. But I also have observed in my 20 years playing fantasy football that, yeah, see, the receivers score more on actual targets than they do shares of targets. It's just something, something to note. Something to write down. Put that in a quote. Put it on social media from me. I'd be happy to see that because it's so true. DJ Chark. Five targets in week 12. And then he stepped up more targets in week 13. Got you the 100 yards almost. But most importantly, Jameson Williams clearly being eased back. And if this offense is going to be this prolific, in those weeks where teams try or do their best... To take away, I'm on Ross St. Brown. More targets will skew to DJ Chark. It'll open up DJ Chark deep. So there's gonna he's going to oscillate week to week. But because this offense is so prolific, I mean, we're going to do a whole monologue on the Mind of Mansion podcast to open up the, the Mind of Mansion show. For the podcast version, for those that are listening on YouTube, we have a, a podcast-only monologue that we do where I dig into a particular topic every week. And this week, it's the Lions. 
There are some league winners in the Lions, multiple league winners in the Lions, and DJ Chark, very interesting, not just for best ball. He's the type of guy I just like to put in flex and just pray for the boom week, but also know he can just give you the 12 points and you're happy with that too. So it's just it's an interesting dichotomy to compare Collins to Hollins, right? You get targets versus target share, okay? Same thing with DJ Chark, right? Van Jefferson actually gives you the share. Van Jefferson's target share is high. His actual number of targets, low. Why? Bad offense. DJ Chark, well, his target share, not so impressive. What is impressive are the air yards and the actual targets he's getting, but primarily the air yards. So Jefferson's like, hey, my air yard share is great. Chark's like, I'm getting actual air yards. So that's why we have Chark over Jefferson, even though Jefferson's technically a primary read where Chark is not. Chark is a secondary read or a read where they drop a particular play trying to bait the defense so they can get Chark. And then if it's not there, just once more, as always, back to St. Brown. This is also the week to play Terrace Marshall. If there was a week to play Terrace Marshall, this is the week. He's a prototypical alpha wide receiver. He's playing Seattle. There's no other week to play Terrace Marshall than this week. If you ever think about playing him, if you like him, this is the week to play him. There's no other week. This is the week. And I'm continuing to push Quez Watkins. He didn't kill you last week. He wasn't great, but he was five of six. Dallas Goddard is out. And so for the same reason that targets are skewing to Chark and St. Brown in Detroit, targets are skewing to Brown and Smith and Watkins as long as Dallas Goddard is out. If anything happens to Brown or Smith, if they miss games, Quez Watkins is going to be a beast. He's going to be he's going to be a monster because he can get deep. He can get he has a deep separation ability. That's what Cody Carpenter loves about Quez Watkins, deep separator. So that that's where the boom upside comes in. And so that's like a very uh you know, uh discount much deeper league version of DJ Chark where you just put the guy in flex knowing that, hey, he's got three catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns in him. A lot of receivers don't have that. Quez does have that. Other guys to stash. Jameson Williams, he might get ramped up in the next few weeks. Sky Moore was not used at all, but I saw it on the Underdog channel. Underdog's been doing a great job with Steve Smith. So they brought in Steve Smith, and Steve Smith was breaking down Sky Moore, especially Sky Moore after the catch. Sky Moore is a yak monster, and we're going to see that in the years ahead, that that's really where Sky Moore is going to thrive. He's going to go full Golden Tate on us in the years ahead, so watch out for that with Sky Moore. Keep him stashed. Trent Sherfield, Jalen Waddell could miss. If Jalen Waddell misses time, you're going to want to play Trent Sherfield. You don't have to bid anything to get him, but I would stash him. I would make sure, in fact, I might put, you know, 3 4% if I really need wide receiver help. He's the best option. I mean, I would play him over everyone but Nico Collins and Matt Collins of the players that we've discussed if Jalen Waddle misses time. Uh, Rashid Shahid is a, a fun story, but this is not the offense where you want a, an auxiliary option, right? So why do we like... Nico Collins. Why do we like Van Jefferson? Because they're actually the primary options, even in low volume offenses. Why are we're not talking about Tutu Atwell? And I'm barely talking about Rashid Shahid because they're they're auxiliary options in bad offenses. So right there, it's like 
the week you start them, they're going to get like one for nine. You know it. You know it. I know it. Right? And I'm always stashing uh, the best handcuff. Everyone say it with me. The best handcuff in all of fantasy at wide receiver is Khalil Shakir. He would take over for Gabriel Davis if anything happens to Davis. Or Diggs. Right? So, and that's, that's right, 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 right. Like, it, you look at the best offenses, and there really isn't anyone like Shakir in Seattle. The guy that's been playing that role has been good but not great in Los Angeles with the Chargers. DeAndre Carter is super undersized but is explosive but just doesn't give you that upside, right? Whatever happens in Kansas City, you know, when you saw when Juju went out, there wasn't a clear winner there. Here in Buffalo, there's a clear winner, right? There's a clear winner in Philadelphia, right? It would be Quez Watkins. The clear winner, should there be an injury to a featured guy in Buffalo, would be Khalil Shakir. Uh, top three tight end streamers, uh, Hunter Henry. He is a, a their go-to weapon in the red zone, if they ever get to the red zone. Noah Fant. Noah Fant uh, showed why you chase athleticism at tight end this past week. I played a lot of Noah Fant and got paid off. And then now it's Chig Aquanquo. Chig Aquanquo has now entered the conversation for weekly streaming tight end options because of the athleticism and the lack of target options. After Traylon Burks, it's Robert Woods. So athleticism and target conservation come together for Chig Aquanquo as a, a great streamer. Not great. I mean, he's a tight end, so no no tight ends are great. But a guy you can stream and pick up if you don't have a, a better tight end option. Many of you have already picked up Greg Dulcich. I've picked up Dulcich in a bunch of the uh, FFWC leagues where I had Waller or you know some other bust tight end. Oh, <laughs> Albert Akuigbodum. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, Kwonkwo is the next guy to like help out. For those of us, we, oh, I lost David Njoku again. So I'm going to have to pick up a Kwanku in that league. Top three quarterback streamers. I'm going back to Pickett. He's mobile, but also Mike White. It depends on your scoring. I think if you get six points for a touchdown, I'm going to go Mike White. Oh, he didn't score last week. So what? Mike White's going to be I mean, a prolific thrower of footballs. May not score touchdowns with them. May not necessarily complete a high percentage, but he's going to put up air yards. And he has great weapons. So keep streaming White, keep streaming Pickett, and then Tyler Huntley because mobile quarterback. It gives you 60 yards rushing. That's a touchdown and a half passing. He's a worthwhile streamer. And I will leave you with this. If I am Atlanta, I am considering strongly moving from Mariota, who stinks, to Desmond Ritter. It couldn't be worse. Right, Desmond Ritter is actually similar to Mariota in their collegiate profile, but Mariota's proven to be a scared game manager. So why not just go to Desmond Ritter and hope that he's somewhat better as a thrower and similar as a rusher? What are you really losing? So you have a bye week to prepare. Sneaky stash for those that need quarterback help is Desmond Ritter. Sneaky. Sneaky.
You know, you score more fantasy points on actual targets than you do on shares of targets. 